Good morning, Journey. So excited to see everybody here. Uh, a couple years ago, when I stepped into this role of leading our church, it was kind of brand new for me. One of the things I've been so grateful for is that God has allowed me to have the have to build relationships with a lot of other leaders and pastors in this town. And it's not just people that I know. Uh, they're people that I love and care about, and they care about me. They help me when I need encouragement. They help me when I need mentoring. And one of those friends of mine is my buddy, Brian, here. He is the pastor at Big Sky Christian Fellowship. We've known each other for probably two or three years now and have had lots of opportunities to be together. And I've been asking him I would, over and over, I would love to have you come and share your heart with our people. And I finally got him to say yes. He is here this weekend. Uh, he is married to his sweet wife, Lori, that grew up here in the valley. And he's got two little kids, Eli and Ava. They are great. And I just want to let you know that there's amazing things that God is doing in and through his life and his ministry up there at Big Sky Christian Fellowship. We got a lot of our friends that are a part of his church there and vice versa. So I want you to give a warm Journey Church welcome to Brian Van Epps. Love you, bud. Well, good morning, Journey. How y'all doing? You good? Yeah. Well, my name is Brian, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. Uh, we just decided, since the snow was so good up in Big Sky, we just canceled church, and that's why I was able to be here this morning. That's not true. Nielsen, if you're watching, I'm praying for you this morning. Our, our youth pastor's preaching this morning, and uh, I know he's got a great word as they close up a series on Joseph. Here at Journey Church, we have been discussing the movement of misfits, the movement of misfits. Now, I, I look around, and I'm not sure I see a pile of misfits. I did see some tattoos this morning, and I think I'm going to start a GoFundMe account for Bob to get a tattoo so he's a little bit more of a misfit. But you've been studying this movement of misfits. You've been saying, hey, we want to start this year off by asking, hey, what is the church all about, essentially? Right? The book of Acts is the birth of the church. And so you have taken the time to study through the book of Acts and to say, hey, what can this teach us about this movement of misfits? And do I somehow misfit fit into this misfit fit? Right? Okay? And if you fit into this misfit fit, right, you want to start asking these questions about what does it mean for us to have a misfit message? What does it mean for me to live a misfit life? What does it mean for me to be a part of this incredible movement? And we want to continue that story together this morning. We'll be in Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. You can turn there if you got your Bible with you or if you got your fake Bible on your phone. You can go ahead and get there. This is a book. You should have one. It's awesome. Okay. Some of you are like, this, this guy's humor. I don't know. Okay. Before we get into Acts chapter 17, uh, we do live in Big Sky. I want to tell you a little bit about Big Sky. Big Sky is a very interesting place. About five years ago, I was working at a church about this size, a little bit bigger than this church, about 2,500, 3,000 people on a regular weekend in Denver. Church that I grew up in, I was the associate pastor there, working on my master's degree at Denver Seminary, and, and God kind of planted a seed in me that said, hey, I want you to go somewhere else. I want you to go see what God might have for you. And so uh, we started asking God, hey, where would you lead us? Where would you lead us? Where would you lead us? And, and we were led to this tiny little ski town in Big Sky, 
Montana. We went from a church of 2,500 to a town of less than 2,500 total. Big Sky is a really interesting place. How many of you have been to Big Sky? Anybody? Yeah, you ski the mountain there? Any of you uh, work up there? Like half of our workforce lives here, right? So like a lot of you drive that canyon almost every day, right? Big Sky is an interesting place. You can rub shoulders with guys like Tom Brady up at the Yellowstone Club. Got any Patriots fans in the house? Boo! Okay. <laughs> we, 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 we've got the Elstone Club where we've got millionaires and billionaires. We've got the mountain where we have people who live in RVs all year long, even when it's negative 15 out, because they love to ski so much. They're just called ski bums, or uh, as we lovingly call them, dirt bags, Okay. So we got dirt bags, we got millionaires, billionaires, we got retirees, we got all kinds of different people. It's a unique and wonderful place and God is doing some amazing things there. And like Bob said, my wife, she, she grew up uh, just down the way. Hop, skip, and a jump from here in Churchill, Montana. We got any people from Churchill, Montana in the house? We got Churchill? Okay, yeah. I heard that this is the early service so the, the Dutch Farmers come to this one. Is that correct? I, I don't know. If you don't know Churchill, a lot of Dutch people, right? And a lot of farms. Uh, my wife grew up on one of those such farms. Uh, they grow potatoes, alfalfa, a bunch of other stuff there. And a city boy like me has no idea what they're doing, but it's, it's awesome. Um, interesting community, right? It's a, it's a traditional community. A lot of families, third and fourth generation Right? It's a very traditional community, very different from Big Sky, but, but not very far away from Big Sky. And then here we are in Bozeman, the edge of Bozeman. Bozeman is an interesting melting pot of sorts. How many of you are actually from Bozeman? There's like three, okay, four, perfect, right? Like this is an incredible melting pot. I heard just recently that there's, there's like, like three families a day on average moving to Bozeman right now. That's kind of crazy. It's this melting pot of sorts. You could, you could go into a bar or, or a coffee shop. We're at church, sorry. A coffee shop. You go to a coffee shop and you can find a real deal Montana cowboy in that coffee shop here in Bozeman with a mustache that is real. And it was way before mustaches came back into fashion, right? You can, you can walk into that place and you can also sit down next to a hipster who transplanted here from San Francisco who also has a mustache but didn't originally have it. He just thought it was cool, right? You can be served by a Montana State college student who's working on their communication degree, which means they have no idea what they're gonna do with their life, right? I mean, this is incredible melting pot. Three communities, not very far apart. Right? Within 60 miles, we've got Big Sky, we've got Churchill, we've got Bozeman, we've got places like Belgrade, Logan, Manhattan. I could go on and on. All places unique and diverse and wonderful. And I want to talk about places this morning. I want to talk about how we as misfits don't fit into the places that we live and what is the message that we need to carry to these places that God puts us into. This morning, I want to share with you a story of three towns, not Big Sky, Churchill, and Bozeman, uh, but a town called Thessalonica, a town called Berea, 
in a town called Athens. Would you pray with me and then we'll hop into scripture. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we get to study your words, that they're active and living and they want to search us and they want to challenge us and they want to encourage us. I pray that we would be open to what you have to say to us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Start out by giving you a little bit of context for the story of these three towns. There's two misfits. Their names are Paul and Silas. And their misfit job is to, their misfit mission, their misfit job is to go around and to spread the misfit message of Jesus. Paul, earlier in the book of Acts, he has this encounter with Jesus. He actually meets Jesus. And when people meet Jesus, something changes within them. Bob preached about this earlier in the series. Here's the big idea. If you meet Jesus, everything changes. And everyone notices when you've met Jesus. You might say, well, I'm religious, that's great. But if you haven't met Jesus, things aren't gonna change in the same way. And so the big idea here this morning is that there's these two misfits, Paul and Silas, and they have met Jesus and they're carrying this great mission, this great ministry, this great message of Jesus to these three towns. So I wanna start in Thessalonica. This is chapter one of our story. Thessalonica and the misfits and the mob. The misfits and the mob. I've got a, a picture up here, a map of where this place is. Just want you to be able to know where this is. These aren't just fairy tale stories. Sometimes we say, oh, the story of the three towns. That's like the story of the three little pigs. No, 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 no. This is rooted in fact. These words that we read, they come to life. This is modern day Greece. And you can see Thessalonica will be in Berea next. And then all the way down in Athens, about 200-ish miles apart, these three towns. You also see the town of Corinth. If you know your Bible, you're thinking, oh, Corinthians, yep, that's it, okay? All in this compact area now known as Greece. We start in Thessalonica. And Paul runs into Thessalonica with Silas to share the message of the misfits. I'm gonna start in verse one. But I want you to focus in a little later with me. Verse one, Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollina and came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. This is his message. This Jesus that I'm telling you about, he's the savior. He's the one. He's the Messiah. This is the misfit message. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with many other God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. But, and this is where I want to focus in, but some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace. Those kids you don't want your kids to hang out with, those troublemakers, right? From the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. The misfits and the mob. We're getting to know each other a little bit this morning. Anybody ever been in a riot? No? Oh, okay, we got one. My man, my man. Anybody else? Anybody else been in a riot, in a mob? No? Okay, my man. We'll share stories later, okay? I'm gonna tell mine first, you tell me yours later. Okay, so 
The year was 1998, the year after 1997. Both of those years are important because the Broncos won the Super Bowl both of those years. Come on, Broncos fans. All right? So me and my buddies, the Cowboys, we don't even have, we have Montana State, that's who we go cheer for. Okay. So my buddies and I have this genius idea in 1998, back-to-back Super Bowl champs, we're going to go downtown and celebrate with 200,000 of our best friends in the streets of Denver, which sounded like a great idea until we got there, right? And we got there, and, and it started, you know, it was pretty subtle. People were just kind of hanging out and cheering for the Broncos. And then somebody started climbing poles, and then somebody started a fire. And then all of a sudden, there was like these huge horses and these police officers with shields and headgear and riot gear. And I'll never forget, there was this moment where I saw the beer bottle going flying across the sky and hit the police line, and I thought, it's on. It's on, right? And it was on. And there were tear gas canisters flying all over the place, tear gas canisters. And my buddy Brandon, okay, this is not a joke. My buddy Brandon, who was a pastor's kid, which doesn't bode well for mine, okay? Pastor's kid, he decides I'm gonna grab a canister and I'm gonna run for the sake of the Broncos. I have no idea what got into him, but he grabs this canister. He goes running down the street, screaming, go Broncos, go Broncos. And we're running after him. Meanwhile, the police, they come around him, they knock him down, and they start beating him with a baton and spraying all of us with mace. At one point, I thought we were going to die. And I see Brandon's hand sticking out of the smoke, and all I can hear is, help me, Jesus. And I'm like, Jesus isn't here, Brandon. He's not here. This crazy mob, this crazy Riot, And this is what Paul was encountering. Paul comes and he shares the message of Jesus. This Jesus that all the scriptures talk about, he's the one, he's the savior, he's the Messiah. And guess what these folks do? They, they get a, a riot together. They get a mob together and they say, hey, we're gonna run these guys out of town. Sometimes the message of the misfits gets rejected. Sometimes the message of the misfits just gets outright rejected. And sometimes this seems far from this, but I want to tell you, this is closer than you may think. One of the things that I get to do up in Big Sky is I get to coach the basketball team. And we're about as good as you would expect a ski town to be, okay? <laughs> just going to let that sink in. Some of you get it tomorrow. Okay. So we're riding home from a, uh, a bus trip, and uh, I don't remember where we were coming from, maybe uh, Gardner or something, and um, we had one kid on the team, one kid who probably sitting in church up in Big Sky right now, um, and, and, and he loves Jesus. He's probably going to play football for Wheaton next year. He's a big old boy um, and, and just a, a really great young man. And he was sitting in the back of the bus and we were coming back from the game and I sit in the middle of the bus so I can keep the boys and the girls at bay. And then, um, and, and so they were having this conversation in the back and I catch, catch it out of the corner of my ear and, 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 um, and they're saying to, to this young man, you don't really believe the Bible, do you? Like that, that's a weird book, man. Like you realize that there's like animal sacrifices in it. You realize that like, 
God told people to like go kill a bunch of people. You don't really, you don't really believe in this. And, and I just, uh, like it started to build. And they're, they're kind of bullying on him and they're, they're ganging up on him. And they're, it's a little, little bit of a mob going on in the back of my bus. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm the pastor coach. They know this. Like, I don't know, what should I do? So I stand up. I walked back calmly into the back of the bus and I said, hey guys, I hear your conversation. Do you know that in the Old Testament, it also says that you should stone rebellious children. <laughs> that's what I said. That's what I said, true story. And they, and they didn't know whether to laugh or, or what. I said, hey guys, here's the deal. Like, I feel like this isn't a great conversation. I feel like you guys are ganging up here on my buddy. And, and, and I don't think this is building building us as a team. If we want to have a great conversation about this, listen, I went to way more school than you ever want to talk about about this kind of stuff, and I can talk about this for a long, long time, but let's have this debate instead. Who's the best, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? And we had a lively discussion about that for the rest of the trip. By the way, uh, I, made, I played my case for Michael Jordan. I'm just gonna say it. Yes. <laughs> Amen, right? Here's the point. If you embrace the movement of the misfits, you're gonna run into Thessalonica. You're gonna run into it. Well, we don't have anybody to form in a mob, thankfully, here this morning, right? But at some point, in some way, in some shape, in some form, you're gonna run into rejection. Jesus was rejected by the people. And you, if you are a misfit, one who carries the misfit message, you will be rejected, and you should be ready for these moments. Thessalonica 2, Berea. Chapter 2, Berea. We're going to call Berea more misfits, more misfits. I will pop that map back up. Berea is not far away from Thessalonica. In fact, what happened is in the middle of the night, they said, hey, Paul, they're gonna run you guys out of town or they're gonna kill you, so we need to get you out of town. We need to get you in the middle of the night to Berea. Why don't you go over there? We hear there's some better people over there, so why don't you head over because they've rejected this misfit message. And so Paul and Silas, they head over not too far to Berea. And Berea is a different type of town. If Thessalonica is the town that rejects the misfit message, Berea is the town that accepts the misfit message, right? They accept the misfit message. Listen to how he describes them. Paul says this about them. And the, and the people of Berea, were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. So Paul comes with the same message, but instead of forming a mob and inciting a riot, instead of that, they want to hear more. They are open. They are, what I'm going to say, humble and hungry. Man, I love being around humble and hungry people. I just love it. I love being around people who say, I, you know what, I know a lot, but I don't know it all. And I've got something to learn in this situation. I am humble and I am hungry. I'm open-minded and eager. And in this moment, God is adding more misfits, right? This is great acceptance moment. And, and I, as I was writing this and I was thinking about this, I, I, I think there's probably some of you sitting in the room from Berea this morning. 
I do. Um, I think, I think there's some of you here this morning that you heard about this Jesus guy and you thought, man, I gotta, I gotta think about that. Maybe there's some of you here who were tricked into coming to church. There, some of your, your neighbor was like, we're going out for breakfast and church. What, you don't like breakfast? And you were like, oh, okay, I'm stuck. So <laughs> there are some of you who not too long ago, all you knew was Jesus is a cuss word. And something has brought you to a new place to say I'm open, I'm humble, and I'm hungry to this. Maybe you, maybe you showed up at Christmas to the amazing candlelight services that we had here. Maybe you said, I'm gonna do a New Year's resolution for my soul, and I'm just gonna give this a shot. And I just wanna tell you, I'm so with you. I am so glad that you are here. I'm so glad that like the Bereans, you are open-minded, you are examining scripture, you are questioning these things. You are not just, 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 just uh, accepting it without even thinking about it. I'm glad you're searching and that you're questioning and that you're pushing and that you're open to it. And I want you to feel free to explore and to question and to wonder, we love having you here at Journey Church. Same, we have the same sort of philosophy uh, at Big Sky Christian Fellowship. We love the 99, right? Jesus loves the 99 sheep, if you know the story. But man, he goes after the one, right? He goes after the one. He leaves the 99 to go get the one. This is the story of Jesus. He always leaves the 99 to get to the one. And I just wanna say this to you this morning. If you're here this morning, I want you to keep, just keep being open. Just keep being humble. Just keep being hungry. Uh, and I want you to know, I sat on these stairs uh, today, or this week, I mean. I sat on these stairs this week. And I sat here and I prayed specifically for my Bereans this morning. Because I know that there's some of you in this crowd who are saying, what is this all about? Can I really believe in this message? Do I really want to become a misfit? And I'm gonna keep praying for you. And, and if you wanna talk after the service, man, I would love to chat with you today. See, Berea was just this wonderful place where they accepted, they listened, they learned. And this is a great posture for us to be in chapter three, chapter three. I wanna spend a little more time on chapter three. Chapter three is the town of Athens. The town of Athens. We're gonna call this one the misfit message on Mars Hill. Don't try to say that five times fast. The misfit message on Mars Hill. So after Thessalonica, after Berea, they headed south, we'll go back to the map, down to Athens, right near Corinth. And Paul found himself in this very interesting town, this, this eloquent town, this um, uh, wise town, this well-educated town of Athens. And if Thessalonica rejected the message, and if Berea accepted the message, what I want to say about the misfit message on Mars Hill in Athens is that they considered, they considered the message. 
I think we have a lot to learn from this specific piece of the passage because I think we live in Athens. I think by and large, we don't live in Thessalonica or Berea. I think by and large, we live in a place that is very much like Athens. Verse number 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, so he's waiting for his buddies to show up, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. We live in Athens. You walk around and listen, we are an idol factory, as John Calvin or Martin Luther would say. Our hearts are idol factories. I mean, listen, I said Broncos earlier, and people literally cheered. People who, no offense to you, but you probably didn't raise your hands during worship. Let's just be honest, right? I, I love this, right? You, you, we get to church, and we sing about the lion and the lamb. And, and, and my, I love you guys, right? You're my, you're my, my dudes, but I'm going to pick on you a little bit. Some of you are like, yeah, lion and lamb. I don't sing very good. But if, I, if, if you're a Broncos fan, or if you're a Cowboys fan, or if you're a, God save your soul, a Patriots fan, right? And you're at the stadium, guess what? You are painted with a jersey, and all they have to do is get a first down for you to go, yeah, right? Hallelujah. I mean, listen, we are made to worship. And if you look around, we have places that remind us of the idols in our lives. You go to, go to a place like Denver, you see a stadium where 70, 80,000 people, listen, that's a modern day Coliseum. Those were all over Athens, right? We go to a place called a gym and we say, I'm gonna work out. But you know what gyms are filled with? Mirrors. Do you wanna know why? Not so you can check your form, so you can look at yourself, right? I mean, these are modern day temples, modern day temples. And Paul walks around the town and he sees temple or he sees temples and he sees idols and his heart is deeply burdened. And so he goes and he starts to share the message with some God-fearing Gentiles. And he also begins to debate with some Epicureans and some Stoic philosophers. And, and this is what they say. They, so they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. Hey, you got some new teaching? Great, we love new teaching. We like to hear things. We like things that tickle our ears and make us think about new things. So hey, come on and teach us about this. So skipping ahead, Paul stood up. He stood up before the council and addressed them. I want you to notice a couple of things in here. Number one, I want you to notice Paul's angst. Paul's angst. So at the beginning there, it says, Paul was waiting for them in Athens. He was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw. Does it cause you trouble to know that there are people that don't know Jesus in this town? Does that, does that trouble you? See, I don't know if it does. See, I, I, think, I think if we're really honest, there's just these moments where like, we're just trying to keep our head above the water but it doesn't cause us great distress that our neighbor doesn't know Jesus. And I wanna lean on us a little bit here, church. 
Like if you are a misfit and you carry the message, then you should have the great distress, the deep trouble, the word that I thought of this week, angst, the angst. Something should bubble up within you that says, this is not right. There are people in this town that don't know the name of Jesus. They don't know that he died for their sins. They don't know that three days later he rose from the grave. They don't know that he knows every hair on their head. They don't know, and this should drive us misfits. If you're a misfit in the room, this should drive us a great angst. When, I, when I'm in Big Sky, I, I, I do this. I just drive around sometimes. I drive around Brian. I just drive around. And while I'm driving around, I'm praying for the town. I hike up. Uh, I've got this little hill that I hike up. And I can see the whole town. And I pray over the whole town. Like, does this drive you? Like, this isn't the pastor's job. This is not Bob's job. Do you understand me? This is your job. This is our job. We are the church. We are the misfits. We carry the message. And if you feel this that I'm trying to give to you right now, that's what you should be feeling on a daily basis. This should wake you up in the morning that somebody needs Jesus. Who can you put in my path, God? Somebody that I can be a part of saving one, just one, just one. See, Paul is driven by this throughout his ministry. He's deeply troubled. He has a burden. He has a fire brewing within him. And if you are a misfit, you should burn with that same fire as well. Secondly, I want to point out this. Um, Because this is the way we deal with that angst, the way we deal with that burden. Um, He notices what's around him he notices the location. He's culturally savvy. So uh, Brandon Edwards, uh, your worship pastor, he was recently in this area. It was actually in Athens. And he got to stand up on Mars Hill. So this is, this is the uh, high place where the city council met in this translation, um, which is Areopagus or Mars Hill. And let me explain what you can see up here. So he's taking the picture from Mars Hill. This is where... Paul did his teaching, and he's looking up at the Parthenon, which is um, the worshiping center for the goddess Athena. And around the corner from there, at the same time that Paul is giving this speech, at the same time that he's talking to them and sharing with them about Jesus, there's a temple being built for Zeus, the exact same time. Isn't that crazy? So he's basically up on the side of this hill and there's temples all over the place. There's idols all over the place. And so he's culturally savvy to where he is. Let me read this to you and and, and let me help you understand that he knows what he's talking about and, and who he's talking to. So Paul, standing before the council, addresses them as follows. And I don't want you to read this. I just want you to listen as if the, the, the listeners on that rock, right? This is what he says. People of Athens... I notice that you are very religious in every way. We got some religious people in Bozeman? I got them in Big Sky, I can tell you that, right? You could say it this way. I notice that you're very spiritual. You ever have any of these conversations with people? Like, I'm very spiritual, but I don't do church. You're like, okay, I'm a little confused about that logic, but, um, right? I'm very spiritual, 
But that whole Jesus thing ain't for me. For as I was walking along, I saw many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to the unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. So he's culturally savvy. He walks around this town and he says, hey, I, I know I know that you've got this unknown God. I know that you've got something that you haven't quite figured out and I want to explain that to you. He goes on. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples like the one you're building for Zeus around the corner. That's my addition, okay? And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole world. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determines the boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, notice he doesn't say, as the Bible says, he doesn't say that, right? I put the little southern twang in there. As the Bible, he doesn't say that. He says, as your own poets say, listen, he's not quoting the Bible, he's quoting their poets, their philosophers. As your poets say, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed for craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead." And when they heard Paul speaking about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this. He, he notices what's going on. He uses the music of their day. He uses the movies of their day. You've got to use these opportunities. If you've got this angst in you, what you've got to do is enter into these conversations and say, hey, man, I noticed you listen to, to this music. And in this particular song, have you ever noticed the lyrics in that song? It seems like he's like looking for something that he can't find. Hey man, I noticed you listen to you too. Have you still found have, still haven't found what you're looking for, huh? Right? It's one of those kind of conversations. It's leaning in and saying, Hey, um, why do you love superhero movies? Have you ever thought about why we love why why is Marvel like why why are these movies so big right now? Right? Why, why are the Avengers, like, people are just waiting for the Avengers next Avengers movie coming out. Why? Is there something deeper going on? Is there this, this need within us to have a hero, to be rescued, to be a part of this grander story? Could it be that there's something else going on? This is what Paul encourages us to do. He says, know your location. Know who you're talking to. When you're at your work, look for normal opportunities to, um, to say things that will just nudge at Jesus, that will open the door for you to talk more about Jesus. This doesn't mean taking a bullhorn and standing on a corner. It says, be culturally savvy 
to what you're a part of. If you're at college, you're at MSU, right? And this is a factory for ideas, MSU. Sit in those classes, take difficult classes where they disagree with your religion and then have a great healthy debate. Know what you believe, right? I mean, with your kids at home, look for every opportunity to share Jesus with them. You are the main discipler of your kid. Look for these moments, these misfit moments to lean into what God has already given to you. End with this. The heart of the misfit message, the resurrection. We were sitting together and and we have a a teaching collective, which is really cool, um, that meets every Thursday. A bunch of pastors from here, a couple pastors from the area um, to talk about upcoming sermons and passages. And we were talking about this message in particular. And Cody, who is from the table in Belgrade, at one point in the meeting said this. This passage is not about how to talk to people about Jesus. This message is about the resurrection. And that just stuck with me all week and it just won't go away. See, the heart of the misfit message, it goes beyond tricks and tips and techniques for being a missionary. It, It goes to the message of resurrection. Verse 32, when they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this. See, listen to me. Christianity is based in an extraordinary event. Christianity is based in an extraordinary event. And I think we miss this sometimes. I think this is why our misfit message doesn't actually have the teeth that it actually should. It's not as intriguing as it actually should be. Can, can, can I tell you what, what happened on Good Friday? So Jesus died, right? And they took his dead, lifeless body off of the cross and they put him in a tomb, right? And who expected him to rise again on Easter morning? Anybody? Nobody, nobody expected it. You know why? The women were coming with spices, right? Do you know why they were coming with spices? To help embalm the body, why? Because they thought he was what? Dead, because why? Dead people stay what? That's what they do, they still do now, right? Dead people stay dead, but Christianity is not based upon dead people, it's, it's based upon a risen savior. And it's about resurrection. Nobody expected no body. Everybody expected there to be somebody in that tomb. Everybody expected there to be a body in that tomb. Nobody expected no body. And can I just go further with this? I think, I think some of us, when we, when we talk about this misfit message, we undersell it. We say things like, we sound like fire insurance sales, salesmen, right? We're like, hey man, You ever thought about when you die? And they're like, yeah, this is a weird way to, we were just having burgers, but sure, okay. (laughs) Have you ever thought about if you die today, if you go to heaven or hell? And and listen, anybody in their right mind, if you say, hey, if you you wanna go to heaven or hell, they're gonna go like, I'll take heaven, right? That sounds like a better place. I'm gonna go for, I'm gonna go for, I'm gonna go for heaven. Hey, what about forgiveness? Like, 
What about forgiveness? Do you go for forgiveness? Yeah, people like forgiveness actually, right? When you mess up, do you like somebody to forgive you? It's easy, right? Absolutely, I want them to forgive me. And we undersell it. We say, hey, okay, so if you died today, where would you go, heaven or hell? Well, I, I don't know. Uh, well, do you want to go to heaven? Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Well, here's this little prayer you got to pray, right? Dear Jesus, sorry I'm a sinner. Uh, come into my life, and now I get to go to be heaven. Uh, and, and some of you came to faith that way. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to be a little bit, but I am a little bit, right? Um, because it's not the fullness of the message. We're not talking about you dying someday and getting a harp and a cloud and an oversized diaper. I ain't talking about that, right? See, Paul says this. Later in 1 Corinthians, we're gonna be studying this for the next, uh, well, all the way till Easter at Big Sky Christian Fellowship. He says this, a seed gets planted in the ground. And the seed, it it doesn't spring up a a seed, it, it springs up a plant. And he says, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. See, the picture isn't escapism. The picture in Revelation is that heaven and earth collide and that we are given a new body, that we are resurrected, that we are brought to life, that this life matters because life matters for eternity. The question this morning is this. Will you accept that message? Will you reject that message or will you consider that message? And for those of you who have accepted it, who needs to hear this misfit message? Who needs to hear this misfit message? Philippians chapter two, verses six through 11. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died on a criminal's death on a cross. And therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net. Thanks.